The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... to the two-man power trip. I am JP John Paz. This is a part of my John Paz versus series right here on Russo's brand. Of course, I am joined today by the man behind the Attitude Era, the man behind the brand, the former WCW World Heavyweight mm-hmm. Champion, mm-hmm. Mr. Vince Russo. Vince, how are you doing today? Sir? I am doing okay, John. I got. I have, like, like you, bro, I already have three shows under my belt this morning. This is the fourth one. How many do you have today? Am I ahead of you today? You're ahead of me today, yes. Uh, today I'm ahead <laughs> of you. Okay. We should go there. We should do seven days a week. Who records most podcasts, and at the end of the week, see who won the week, bro. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, we should go for that. You know, it's interesting. When I was recording with Ben yesterday, you made a surprise uh, yes. run in. Yes, yes. I was calling Ben, and uh, he was on with you, bro, which is awesome, which which is what I love about the brand, bro. Just everybody in the brand connecting and working with each other, man. I think that's awesome. That was That was one of the goals I had for the brand starting out, bro, and I am so happy to see it come to fruition. And I told Jeff, uh, Jeff Lane, obviously, I said, you know, I stink at graphics. So he got, you know, your person to do the graphics. And I, he sent me today. And I was like, holy crap, it was like 10 times better than the stuff that oh, I do. Yeah, like, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, we got people to do everything, bro. And um, yeah, it's just great, man. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just great to be working with a bunch of great people, man. Now I got to mention this since I see him over your uh, your right shoulder there. How's everything going with the Disco Inferno? How's everything with Glenn? Bro, I've been dealing with Glenn for over twenty years now, uh, and 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 it is dealing with him, bro. Uh, he's a pain in the backside, uh, but you know, I you know. You know, bro, I, I hate to say, but I love that pain in the backside. But, mm-hmm. listen, man, I love disco. I, I'll always love disco. Bro, the reason why I love disco was, man, I lived in a world of politicians for so long. Bro, Glenn Gilberti did not have one ounce of politician in his body. And 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 it's such a... um. It's so refreshing to work with somebody like that where you know 
I could say anything to this guy. I can be open with this guy um, because he he's he's not a political animal. He's not looking to bury you. He's not looking to put himself over. And that's why I was drawn to, you know, Glenn over two decades ago. And I still love him to this day, man. I feel like I end up agreeing with a lot of the stuff he says. I know people think that's maybe unpopular, but I feel like, and especially if you look at it in hindsight, he's usually pretty right about a lot of the stuff he says. You know what I mean? I, I just looking back, he was like, wow, you know, he was yep. right on that, right on that. He's a, he's a bright guy. He's definitely a smart guy. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that, bro. Disco is not a stupid guy. There's no doubt about that. I always feel like Jeff and him get a little hot at each other on the, on the show. You know, Disco has been unhappy with Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, we I, I almost got to the point of Jeff wanting to quit that show the other day, and I just wrote him back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we're talking about disco. You're, you're really going <laughs> to let disco bother you that much? Even though, bro, a couple of months ago, maybe six months ago, maybe a little longer, I don't know, I had to take a week off from Glenn. It, like, mm-hmm. it was just getting to be too much, so I finally said, Jeff – you need to do the shows with Glenn alone. I, I literally needed a break from the guy for a week. But I think it's good podcasting sometimes, like when Jeff and him go back and forth. And when you go back and forth, it is good, you know, good listening for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree, bro. And listen, we're always going to be honest with each other and nobody's going to kiss anybody else's ass. And if, if I think Disco's right, I'll tell him I think he's right. If I think he's full of crap, I'll tell him I think he's and, – and, bro, I, I, I've said it. I'm telling you, bro, I, I think – you know, I love disco. I love Conan. I love that whole keeping it 100 crew. But when I did a raw SmackDown review show with them on their podcast, I was like, I, I could not believe this is my opinion. Like even these guys had lowered the bar. And I'm like, bro, I'm not lowering the bar. The, the show sucks. Like if you, if you guys are really convinced that, uh, you know, Roman Reigns and and Jey Uso and Kevin Owens is riveting television. Bro, they've been repeating the same thing for six weeks now. For six weeks, they've been doing the same exact thing. Bro, that's not riveting. That's lack of creativity, and we don't know how to move the story along. But, man, I feel like a lot of people, those people, uh, th- those guys have lowered the bar. I'm not going to freaking lower the bar, bro. Listen, I- I'll make an announcement right here on your show, John. I told a lot of people, you know, January 24th, I'm going to turn 60 years old. And I told a lot of people Bro, I'm going to have to make some hard decisions because at 60, when I'm looking at the end of my life, which, bro, let's realistically look at 75. Okay, bro, I got 15 years. Bro, in those 15 years, I do not want to waste my time watching this childish, immature, idiotic, stupid, silly, pointless wrestling. I don't want to do, I got 15 years. This is not how I want to spend my time. And I told people, listen, man, I was going to make some hard decisions when I turned 60 and I have made a decision, bro. And, and, and listen, raw is lucrative for me. I make money watching raw and I'm not talking about from the brand. I make money from the outside watching raw. 
I've told people I, 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 I consult in a certain capacity. I can't talk about it. It's not my place to talk about it. I do some business now with Sports Kita. So Raw is lucrative to me. Bro, starting on January 24th, I am taking SmackDown off the plate. I am taking AEW off the plate. I am no longer watching those shows. Those shows do not warrant my time as a 60-year-old man. Uh, I am going, you know, you're going to pick up the show with PJ for AEW. Um, Ben and Stevie, I'm going to continue to do the Raw review show with them because I I watch Raw anyway, but I'm not going to do the SmackDown portion. But, bro, like, it's like the older I get, and the less time I know I have, I can't waste my time with this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm watching AEW last night and I'm like, bro, like literally when you say this is two hours of my life, I'll never get back. Bro, yeah. just what a massive waste of my time. There is nothing, nothing enjoyable on that show for me. So uh, that's it, bro. It's going to be raw. I'm going to be adding a lot of new stuff to the brand, a lot of things that I want to do, a lot of different shows with uh, different people. But my watching of wrestling is going to be down to one show. And I am honored to take over the review show with PJ, my buddy, longtime buddy. So thank you very much for that. Appreciate that. And, bro, I really felt bad about that because I love PJ. I enjoy doing the show with PJ. But bro, I cannot I cannot sit through two hours of that show. I can't. <laughs> you can't stomach it. You can't stomach I can't. it. I can't, bro, it's it's ridiculous. It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. I was watching this week and they opened up with that eight man tag. Yes. Yeah. Why do they even have a referee? It's like why is there even a ref? There, do whatever you want in the match. Whenever somebody gets a cover, let the ref slide in and count. And once you break the count, let him get back to the outside of the ring. What is the point with what those guys are doing? I got a question for you because I, w- I was watching that. I was watching the, the intros when they first come out. I noticed something in WWE. I, you always see the rehearsals and the behind the scenes stuff, behind the scenes stuff. I'm sorry. You know, Kevin Dunn or Vince will be like, okay, the camera's here. You're walking, you're walking, hard cameras. This, like, they're explaining to you. The Young Bucks came out and didn't realize the hard camera is the same place it always was. And the guy with the, the, you know, the motion cam, the uh, whatever called the steady cam, he's there. They were like looking around, they didn't know where the camera was. Wouldn't that already be like blocked out and you should know that? Or should they just be professionals and know where the camera is? Like they couldn't find it. And then they did their stupid pose. It was like, it was so weird. I was watching them. I was like, wow, they're that inexperienced. They just don't know TV. They don't know TV, bro. They, they, they don't know TV. And that's why I always say, bro, like, listen, I was there, John. The WWE would not be the same without Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn is just as important to the WWE as Vince McMahon is. I I worked closely with Kevin for many, many years. Uh, Yeah, bro. They, 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 they don't know TV. I I mean, bro. And like, I'm, I'm just, I'm watching these ridiculous matches and then bro, like they throw so many people on that show just to give people a payday there's like 50 people on a two hour show. Uh, they don't, they don't 
concentrate on anybody or put the spotlight on anybody. It's just, you know how it works. If they're on the show, they're going to get paid. So everybody's doing run-ins. There's eight man tags, six man tags. I've been watching this show, bro, for 15 months. I, I swear to you, I still don't know the names of like 50% of the performers. I don't. I couldn't tell Brian Pilmer's Brian Pilmer's partner. I don't know what his name is. The the best friends, I know it's Trent and the other guy. I, I don't even know their names because they're throwing so much crap at us that you don't even remember people's names. Hey, it's crazy. Like you would think Miro would be on TV. He was on TV last week for five seconds and he had some weird, you could tell really expensive, but some weird jumpsuit on that didn't really fit his character. And they barely showed Penelope Ford, who is like insanely attractive. So you could try to show her more on TV. They were kind of like, not really, sh- you got to maybe focus in on her. It was, I don't know. They just don't know what they're doing at all, which is crazy. Archer, Archer wasn't on you. You'd rather see Luther than Archer, Archer, really? Like Luther's <laughs> going to draw you more money than Lance Archer, really? That's what I'm saying, bro. It's, you get a payday if you appear on the show. So they're trying to get all their buddies on the show to get a payday. And it's, it's just a freaking cluster. And bro, like I can't, I just can't sit there and watch it anymore, bro. You know, Cody Lee, I'm not Cody Lee, Cody Rhodes books himself in every single predictable match imaginable. And then the predictable match goes 20 minutes. It's like, yeah, bro, is Matt Seidel really going to beat Cody Rhodes? So what, bro? As a as a grown adult, I'm going to sit here and watch a fake fight for 15 minutes when I already know what the outcome is before the bell rings. Why, why am I going to do that? Yep. I sometimes like enjoy watching the matches, but when they go on too long, I flick the channel. You change the channel. Yeah. You do this. It's just like, and some of those guys just don't keep you. You know, they don't keep your attention. So I feel like eight minutes, ten minutes, twelve minutes tops. Twenty. I was like, oh my god, eighteen minutes with a guy you know is not. He's not a jobber, but you know he's a not going to win on TV or not going to get the win over Cody. It's just oh, crazy. That main event went into the ring last week, like with maybe 30, 35 minutes to go. And I'm like, okay, bro. Yeah. that we, we just put the belt on Omega. We've got, you know, Cyrus involved. We got the whole thing with impact and yeah. Okay, bro. Phoenix is going to go over in this match. Oh, okay. But then bro, 30 minutes, 20, like what? Why? Like, are you freaking kidding? Like, and bro, and so now when you talk about getting down to the match, bro, what haven't we already seen? <laughs> like, what, what, what are they going to do in that 25 minutes, bro, that I haven't already seen? That's why, bro, the wrestling business is running people. I cannot believe, bro, they went from 977,000 people, whatever it was, to 670 in in one week. And then people are going to say, oh, bro, it's what was happening on the news that night. Bro, I got news for you. That was happening all day freaking long. That was happening hours and hours and hours, bro, before AEW came on the air. So if if you want to use that as an excuse, knock yourself out. But, bro, there is a very, very small audience that cares for that type of wrestling, man. 
Yep. And it's crazy that like that huge drop off is just I mean, that's just horrible, horrible. And NXT did really bad too. So it can't say that, you know, NXT took any of the audience. It's just that people were just not like well, NXT basically maintained their audience. Uh, AEW just entirely lost theirs. So it's just the way it was, it was completely different. But I was just surprised if like the stuff that they do on the show, okay, Snoop Dogg, you know, use a celebrity, but use them very, very poorly. They've used Tyson poorly in the past. It's just like they don't really know how to use a sting. I feel like they're not using correctly, but I feel like when they get these big names, they just don't know how to use them. It's, 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 it's nuts. I mean, bro, the whole idea with sting was let, let's be honest. You would have to think this is the whole idea with sting. John, we're going to pay this guy big money. And, we're going to play off of his 30 years of legendary status, and he is going to increase the ratings. Well, bro, since you have Sting, since you've had him now for about four or five weeks, whatever it is, what the heck have you done with him to make the ratings improve? This is not Sting's fault. This is not Sting's lack of star power. You've done nothing with this guy. So bro, what, what do you think people are going to tune into the show to see sting stare at Darby Allen? Like, is that what you think a casual fan's going to tune in and, Oh, okay. Sting is staring at this other guy wearing makeup. <laughs> bro, bro, come on. What, what, bro, I don't know what, what, what they're thinking, what is wrong with them, but they, they lost me, bro. And I, I've watched every single show for 15 months, bro. I can't wait to stop watching. Yeah. And a buddy of mine is a huge, or used to be a huge fan. We used to go to all the shows together. I, you know, I told him Sting's going to be on. He watches it and he's like, all right. He goes, I'm not going to watch next week. I, he like, you know, he didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. He goes, cool to see him though. But yeah. he hasn't tuned in since. So like, that is, I mean, if that's him, that's a ton of the fans. It's those last fans. It's like, oh, awesome Sting. What are they going to do with him? Oh, nothing. This league kind of sucks. And then like, oh yeah. And uh, I saw Joey Janela. <laughs> and bro, they don't, they don't keep telling you. I am telling you about TV, bro. This is TV across the board. Bro, when you lose a television viewer, you ain't getting them back. They're gone. Bro, I just started watching The Walking Dead. Okay. Perfect example. I just, I'm 10 years behind the curve. And everybody's telling me, Vince, season one to three is great. Season four to six, there's a new showrunner. And they tell me they lost me. They lost me in those middle seasons. So, bro, like I'm in season four now. Okay. And like I'm listening to what a lot of people said, but I'm going to watch this thing and I'm going to give it a chance. But, bro, the bottom line is, the minute I turn this off, I'm not going back to watch seasons seven, eight, and nine. The right. minute I turn it off, it's over, and I'm on to the next thing. That's what happened with the casual fans in wrestling. Bro, I learned at WCW, John, firsthand. Ed and I, when we started in October of 99, we had a plan. We have to tear down the entire company. And we've got to slowly but surely rebuild the foundation. Okay. Right. That was our plan. Okay. 
And bro, from October to January, three months in, that's exactly what we were doing. And bro, if you go back and look at the numbers from October 99 to, I think I left January 10th, uh, to, uh, um, uh, uh, 2000. If you look at the numbers in those three months, you could see it was like a slow build. We were starting to get people back. Well, bro, what happened was politics kicked in. I didn't get fired to to clarify that. I've never been fired from any wrestling job. Um, I basically, you know, politics reared its ugly head. Uh, WCW said, uh, we're going in another direction. Uh, and I said, that's great. Uh, I'm not going to be a part of that direction. That's not what my contract says. So I am going to go home and I'll continue to wait for my paycheck every two weeks. And that's exactly what I did. But in those three months, the rating went from what Ed and I had built it to right back to where it was when we started. John, when they called me back three months later, I knew, bro, we lost them. We we freaking lost them. We were building them three months with consistent television. The last three months, they got absolute shit. We're not getting them back. I knew it, bro. I knew we lost them. I knew I couldn't start all over again from scratch. I knew we lost them. That's what's happening with the wrestling business. You said, John, people, oh, cool, stay. First of all, they kayfabe themselves by not telling us the first week Sting was going to be on the show. Okay, so now we get word of mouth. Oh, Sting was on AEW. Let's watch next week. So then they watch next week. Sting does nothing. Okay, maybe he'll do something next week. Watch next week. Sting does nothing. Bye-bye at that point. They're not coming back a week three. And, bro, that, that's, that, that's the thing with, with these, the both Raw, both aid. They don't know how to hook an audience, bro. Bro, there are so many times I'm watching this Walking Dead. John, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I want to go to sleep. But there's such a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. I got to go into the next episode. And now it's three o'clock. And then I got, bro, that's what you need to do. And I, I just don't think people writing these shows are capable of doing that, bro. It's bad. And Walking Dead it gets terrible. I feel like the first couple of seasons, Shane is great. Then Shane the government. The governor is great. I feel like he was the best character ever on that show. And then Negan, when he comes many seasons later, he's great. So they know how to book the heels in the show. The baby faces are terrible. All the seasons in between are terrible. And like anything that isn't involving those three guys, and maybe the last season when they bring on uh, the, the two big villains, but um, it's really bad. I don't know. that To me, that show is like, it got me in the first couple of seasons. I liked it. And then once they kill Shane, I'm like, oh. And then the governor yeah. comes and try to rebuild it again. And yeah. then but you'll say I was watching this and I'm like, why, why did you kill that guy off so soon? I could, I was like real. I I could not believe they kill that character off that soon. 
Not it was a not a good move. It was a mistake. Yeah, crazy for sure. He because he was great, and then uh, as you'll see, the governor. I feel like is great too. I've I've seen the governor. Yeah, I saw okay. the governor episodes. Yeah, and and even like the, killing Lori off. Mm-hmm. I thought she could have had a great role. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, there there was some decisions made, but you know, bro, it's funny because I don't know if you ever heard it, but on castrating the marks, uh, Alvarez made this comment. You know, man, when I think about WCW going out of business, man, I just want to punch Vince Russo in the face. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard it, and yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm watching the I'm watching the Walking Dead from a writing perspective. I wouldn't have called. I wouldn't have written off Shane that early. Yeah. I don't think I would have written off Laurie that early. Uh, but bro, I really don't have a desire to punch the freaking writer in the face. Like, do you know how freaking how how stupid you sound, bro? You're gonna you're gonna punch the writer of the show in the. It's it's absurd, bro. It's absurd. Maybe you punch Jamie Kellner, but yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe not the writer. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, bro. But yeah. I heard that. That was from like uh, somebody found that clip. It was like a blast from the past, right? A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. it was an old clip. I don't know where these guys get all of this great um, audio. But, the yeah. homework they do for castrating the marks, bro, is insane. Insane, man. And, you know, obviously they find a lot of great current clips too. Tuesday Night Dynamite. That was great. <laughs> That's a great one, bro. That is a great one. Did he ever say anything, or did anybody find a clip of, of like him saying, "Guys, I now I realize dynamite starts with a D." No, John, I swear I don't know that these. I I wrote four emails, four personal emails to Keller, Meltzer, Alvarez, and Mike Johnson, saying, "Guys, would love to have a conversation with you." Whether it's your show, whether it's my show, whether it's in private, whatever you want to do, uh, life's too short because I think I could have great conversations with these guys. I really do. Bro, not one of them responded. Not not even with a no. And I'm just like, what, what are these guys so freaking afraid of? Bro, let me tell you something. If you're pissed off at me over castrating the marks, which is a joke show, bro, it's a joke show. We take some of the stupid things that you guys say and we laugh. There's no personal attacks on your character or your families or your credibility. We're laughing at the things that you say. You're going to compare that to... 20 years of absolute hatred for me at where, where Brian Alvarez wants to punch me in the face. But the fact, bro, that they don't even acknowledge an email. It's like, what, what the, what are, why are you guys so freaking afraid of me for what? It's, it's unreal, bro. Now I feel like Mike Johnson and you. I feel I don't know. He's not like I don't know if he maybe he's mad at you. You know, obviously there's some issue there, but I don't think it would be like a fight or an argument either. I think he would be kind of cordial, not cordial, but you know, like it, it would be not like on the Jason Powell extent, but I don't think it would be like fighting or anything. You know what I mean? Like I'm so not sure why he wouldn't come on. I don't know, bro. They wouldn't be fighting with any of them. The, yeah. Bro, these guys can have their opinions and believe whatever they want. I I may laugh. 
I'm not going to fight with them. I mean, I, I know how these guys think. I I know they're set in their ways. I know some somewhere along the lines, these guys have convinced themselves that wrestling is real. Bro, if if any if any non-wrestling fan heard their shows, they would say, wait a minute, do these guys think wrestling is real? That's what they would say. So I th- there would not be any fighting or argument. They're, you're never going to change the way these guys think. And, and it's fine, bro. If you want to think that way, like that's fine. But to not have discussions with people who see it a different way, I, I just, I don't understand that, bro. Yeah, bro, I, I remember when, um, gosh, bro, f- uh, Roddy Piper went on his uh, uh, a Vince Russo killed Owen Hart kick. Yep. Okay, I remember that, and I remember Piper inviting me on his show, and I said, "Yeah, absolutely, no problem." Like, wh- why would I have turned that down? Because. I would want to ask Piper, you really think I killed Owen Hart? Like, do you, with your heart and soul, bro, do you really, really believe that? Why would I avoid going on his show? Right. That, that's the part that I don't understand. You know, I recently did it with John Arezzi. You know, John Arezzi and, and I, you know, we did not leave on the best of terms. So, you know, through Matt Kuhn, John wanted to do a pod. Why, why, why would I say no? The, on, the only reason I would say no, bro, to something like that is if I lied and I have something to hide. If I'm scared to death of I'm guilty of something and if I go on this show, I'm going to be exposed and I'm not going to put myself in that situation. But like outside of that, why wouldn't I do these shows? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I guess they got weird, bro. It's real, really, really weird. Maybe it has something to do with their fan base. They would turn their fan base might turn against them because they're anti-Russo or something. Well, bro, I don't worry about that with my fan base because I know my fan base, the brand, is intelligent enough to know this would be entertaining. This is going to be some entertaining conversations. I know my fan base isn't going to turn on me if I have a discussion with Dave Meltzer. I know they'd probably love to hear it. Right. Absolutely. A little bit of a smarter fan base maybe than theirs could could say, you know. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more forgiving fan base. As far as Meltzer and stuff, did you ever have any sort of relationship with him? Did you ever, you know, not leak information, but did you ever talk to him before, like in the 90s or anything? Oh, bro, my first encounter was with him was through a resi in 1991. Wow. Okay. Here, here's where I, bro, I learned early on what these guys were all about because what happened was, you know, Arizzi was doing his show and he was friends with Meltzer in that whole wrestling community. And bro, at the time, the hot topic was the WWE Vince McMahon and the steroid scandal. That was the hot topic. And these guys were getting together every week discussing it, right? So finally, bro, Vince McMahon said, we are changing our our policies throughout the company. 
and he held a steroid symposium with the doctor that he put in charge and he invited all of the uh, all of the dirt cheap press to it. He invited them. I went to it. I went. I listened to it. I recorded it because to me, what, bro? I'm going to say Vince McMahon is guilty of all this stuff. And then he's going to have this steroid symposium and I'm not going to go and listen to what they have to say. So, bro, I remember Meltzer got an infight. And Meltzer didn't go. And the reason Meltzer didn't go, I remember him saying, because I had this conversation with him back then. What, 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 what am I, what am I going to go for? It's just going to be a total waste of my time. They're just going to stand up there and lie anyway. And that's when like, I knew immediately, wait, wait a minute, bro. You're going to assume that Everything they say is going to be a lie and they're really not going to try to clean up the steroids. And this thing is really legit. And to just not go because you've already made that assumption, bro. I knew right then and there those guys were full of shit because you cannot be a journalist and make a conclusion like that. You when you're invited and you're you're anti Vince, anti WWE, you're ripping them for their steroids, and then they invite you to this, and you say, "Ah, oh, no, I'm not going to come." You're going to lie anyway, bro. You're not a journalist. You're, you're the furthest thing from a journalist. So that was my introduction to Meltzer, bro, back in '91. If he went, he could have said, "Like, I have questions about this, this, and this. Are you doing this? Are you doing that?" Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. So what happened after that, that it kind of blew up? I mean, did he, he didn't like the way WWF was booked during the attitude era. I mean, what was the issue with him and you after that? Bro, here's what the issue is. I'll tell you exactly what the issue is with me and dirt. She writers, John, when we were writing the shows, bro, I didn't read the dirt sheets. I, I not ever, ever, never, ever, ever. We knew we got these people. These people are watching the show. Who cares what they say? They're going to watch next week's show. They're going to complain about it. And then they're going to watch the next week's show. And they're going to, that's what they do. So all our concentration, all our effort, everything went on. We got to get the people that don't watch the show. We got to get to the casual fans. Bro, how you get casual fans is entertainment. Okay. As I said, bro, somewhere along the lines, these guys became convinced that wrestling is real. Bro, when you hear Wade Keller cut these promos, like, bro, like, are you serious? Like, seriously, Wade? They've convinced themselves that wrestling is real. So now you've got a guy that is promoting, pushing, writing the entertainment aspect of it. All of a sudden, bro, the matches don't matter, honestly. So, number one, we hate that guy now because he's not writing the wrestling that we like. Much like today, bro, Tony Khan is not writing the wrestling I like. Do I hate Tony Khan? No, bro, I don't hate Tony Khan at all. I don't know Tony Khan. Now, I'm not going to watch the show anymore. 
but I certainly don't hate the guy like that. That's ridiculous. So, bro, I think it's a combination of I did not write their style of wrestling. I didn't care what they had to say. And number three, I wasn't a guy that was talking to them, feeding them dirt. I I wasn't one of those guys, bro, because I was loyal to the companies that I worked for. So when you take those three things, they, they turn it into a personal hatred, which is just, just freaking ridiculous, bro. Just, bro, it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan and you got that giant Dodger rivalry. It would, it would be the equivalent of me hating Dodger players that I don't even know with all my heart and soul. It's 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 it, bro. It's beyond it's beyond my comprehension. It really is. It is such an interesting thing, and also they didn't like a lot of the jokey stuff, you know, like uh, at any attitude ever stuff. You know, that's not their wrestling. They rather watch the matches or you know the sport. Bro, those guys, like those guys, bro. They have no sense of humor. I mean, zero. They they take wrestling and themselves so seriously, bro. The whole the whole cult it it blows my mind because I don't I don't understand the mindset. I don't get it, bro. It is uh, it's interesting for sure. And they probably did not like you winning the WCW World Title either. They recovered a WCW World of Title. Of course not. Uh, and then Arquette, and we get into all of that. And I'm like, okay, bro, whatever. This is a television show, bro. Nobody's winning any titles. This is a continuing story with with characters, bro. And they just they don't they don't grasp that, bro. When did you officially become the head of creative for WWF? Was it after uh, WrestleMania 13 and 97? I think it was, bro. I think it was because I had to pinpoint, pinpoint it a couple of times. Bro, I think it was around March of 97. I so think, right around WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, was Ed there yet? Or was he no, part of no, the team? No. Ed wasn't there yet. The beginning, bro, it started with me, Vincent Cornette. Uh, Cornette never wanted to change his way of thinking. So Vince eliminated Cornette. It was me and Vince for a long, long time. Just the two of us, bro. And then uh, Vince got Ed Ed's name from Bonnie Hammer. Bro, see, this is the difference from me and like the average wrestling guy. So Vince gets... Bonnie, uh, Ed Ferrara's name from Bonnie Hammer. Ed Ferrara was a legitimate television writer, wrote Weird Science, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, He's a legit television writer. So Bonnie was really high on Ed Ferrara. Ed Ferrara, Vince knew I was doing the show by myself. So Vince was like, Vince, you need help, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm going to ask this guy to come to a TV. Okay. Now, you got to understand, bro, in the wrestling world, John, when I know Ed's credentials, I'm going to bury him to Vince McMahon because this guy knows more about writing television than I'll ever know. So when I see that, I'm now I'm going to make sure he doesn't get hired. 
just like they make sure Vince Russo has nothing to do with the WWE now. Okay. But bro, what happened was Ed came in and I was like, wow, like he was a legit TV writer. He was smart. He had worked on the indie scenes as a wrestler and bro, that one night of me working with him, I said, Vince, hire him. I said, yes, I, I want to work with that guy, hire him. Because, John, I knew Ed would make me better. And if Ed made me better, the product's going to be better. Bro, if that was anybody else, they would have buried Ed to Vince. Ed Ferraro would have never been hired by the WWE, ever. I welcomed Ed with open arms because I knew he would make the product better. I've mentioned to you this before. A few years ago uh, in Asbury Park here in New Jersey, Ed was teaching a class for a couple of days. So I took the class. I was like, man, he is really like, I mean, talk about great teacher, but really good with writing. And it's breaking it down and explaining to you what each thing means and why you go here and and you don't necessarily have to write the end but you need to know where you're going like i mean he had everything laid out two days right. of class was like he really really knows his stuff so i was like man you know you people think like oh ed ferrari is a joke like no this guy's a legit teacher, no, <laughs> he's a legit teacher. and that's what yeah. he's doing now he's a full-time teacher that's yeah. what he does but nah bro that that first night i knew no this guy will make me better this guy will make the product better absolutely without a doubt yeah, and he was teaching at Full Sail, so you figure Triple H would knock on his door and ask him for help, but nope, he said never went to the show, never even ran into Triple H or anything. Unbelievable, bro. Unreal. So when you're going along and you're writing, and I know this is like the popular thing that everyone loves to say, is that, okay, you're writing the show, but Vince McMahon is your guy's filter, and he's filtering out the stuff. So it to me, it's kind of funny because wouldn't he be filtering out whoever's writing the shit today and it would be really good. So so when people people said like he was a filter for you guys, what was his extent of anything to do with you? I know obviously he read line stuff and he picks up and you know, he might add stuff in, but what is his extent to like you guys are writing the show and you're saying it used to be him and you, but now it's you and Ed. So where does he kind of fit in? Is it like the the triangle? We are, here's how it works. Uh, Me and Ed get together. We lay out the entire show. Soup to nuts. Lay out the entire show. Now, bro, we know Vince well enough to know, okay, Vince might have a problem with this. Vince might have a problem with that. This is how we counteract it. Like we we knew, like we knew we're writing a show. This is the show we want. And we would know, okay, bro, there may, may be a couple of things Vince objects to. This is why he's going to object to them. And this is how we're going to tell them why we need to do it. Okay, bro. We wrote the full show going in and out of commercial, the open, the close, the full show wrote it. Okay. Now we go to Vince's house, me and Ed, we present him with the show. John, there were never, not even one week. You could, you could talk to Ed separately. There were never major changes. He would work within the body of the show that we wrote, and he would have his little tweaks and his little fine tuning because, bro, we had the final product. Like, he, Vince, here's the show. 
all he had to do was make that show better. So it, it, it's it's tweaking. And, bro, this is where I give Vince the credit because, bro, he would find these little, little things that would make it better. And Ed and I would look at each other like, oh, bro, how, how did we miss that? Like we would get pissed at ourselves because right. our, our goal was to, okay, bro, we, we're going to write a show. He ain't going to change nothing. Like that was the goal. But, bro, he would come up with these little freaking things where if Ed and I wrote an eight, now it would become a ten. Okay. And Ed and I would look at each other saying, shit, bro, like, how did, how did we miss that? And Vince was awesome at that. But, John, nothing changed big picture. Segments didn't change. He worked within the body of our show. That's why, bro, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Vince McMahon took the show, Ed Ferrara, and I, and I wrote, and Vince McMahon, who has a vision and can see things like no one else I've ever met, was able to take this show and somehow, some way, make it just a little bit better. Bro, that's not an editor. That's not a filter. If Vince McMahon was editing and filtering the show, I would would tell you that. I'm telling you he made our show better. Like, I don't know. I'm telling you that. Yes, he made our show better. Filtering, bad ideas, good ideas. Uh, no, bro, that's not the way it went down. He took our show and he worked within the body of our show. And bro, for whatever reason, people don't want to believe that. But again, bro, I'm not going to argue with you when you've got the same guy there today and you're seeing what you're seeing. Like, seriously, like, honestly, bro. Dude, I'm not even going to argue with you. It's obvious. Vince McMahon is in charge of the show today. Everything you see, everything you read, everything you hear, and you see the show that you're getting. So it's like, dude, I'm not even going to have a discussion with you. I'm the first one to say, yes, he made every show better there was no filter. There was no throwing Vince Russo's crazy ideas out. Nothing like that, bro. We we wrote him a complete show, and he tweaked it and always made it a little better. The thing is that's kind of funny about the filtering thing, too, is how come Steve Austin, Mick Foley of the Rock, and, and Dustin Rhodes, you know, they never say, like, oh, yeah, McMahon was, like, whatever, and Vince Russo was the filter. How come those guys, you know, four huge names, you know what I mean? They always kind of back you, and they always say that they like you. So, what, like, where's the disconnect of people not listening to those guys? That's kind of weird, too. It's weird, bro. You know, bro, when people want to have an agenda, man, they're, they're going to have an agenda no matter what. I, I mean, like, absolutely no matter what. And I've just come to the point, bro, you know what, man, if, if you're going to hate me that much and you don't even know me, you know nothing about me, you know nothing about the process. The only people that know about the process were the people that were there. 
that then you're the one with the issue. Like I, I'm not the one. You, you've got an issue. You've got some kind of inferiority complex, whether it's a gel. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that anymore, bro. Like I know the process. I know what took place, bro. Sometimes the hard thing for me is Ed has separated himself from wrestling Yep. And like Ed's really the only guy that could verify all this because there were three of us. There were me, Ed, and Vince. So like Ed's the only guy that could say, yeah, like that's a. But bro, I respect the fact Ed doesn't want to have anything to do with wrestling. So I'm never going to call on Ed or drag Ed back in. Never. I would never do that to Ed because I totally understand him wanting to be away from this. But sometimes it makes it difficult because, like, I'm a man on an island because very few people were involved. And it's like, you know, bro, you're either going to believe what I say or not believe what I say. But, you know, bro, like, like I said to you, like, bro, if I came up with a stinker, I've got no problem saying I came up with it. Bro, it's impossible. Nobody, nobody's going to have every idea be a freaking great idea. So when I had ideas that fell short or didn't work out quite the way I thought, I have no I no problem state. What, what do I care? I'm not going to bat a thousand, bro. Major League Baseball player, you, you're you're an you're an all star. You're a Hall of Famer if you get three hits out of every ten times up. Right. So if I had a stinker or a bad idea or something that didn't work, I'm not going to fess up to it part of the job bro bro my my job was to rapid fire vince stuff one right after the other and you know if he didn't like this or he didn't like that i didn't let it personally insult me that that was my job my job was to just you know give him idea after idea after idea after idea you know i'm not going to sit here and be offended if he didn't like something Right. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like people, I don't know people get their own ideas and it's just like kind of stuck in their head, but you know, it's funny. Just had Dutch who's going to be on uh, your Patreon very, very soon with this episode. I asked him, he said, he goes, Hey, I listened to that interview you did with Russo uh, on YouTube. And I said, "Whoa, okay. And he goes, uh, I got a little bit of a problem. I said, okay. And he goes, first of all, uh, that, uh, thing that stairway to heaven thing that he said was a stinker was a stinker, <laughs> which is, which is true. Um, uh, and then he said that he did not book the electrified cage. It was not him. And he and he starts talking about the you know the fire Russo chance on the Patreon. So it's interesting. I don't know if uh, you've had a chance to listen or if anybody else, but that's interesting. He has a uh, you know nothing to say bad about you really, but he comes back at you about it. Well, well, well okay, but does he say because Je- Jeff was involved in this too? I mean, Je- you know, Je- yep. It was Jeff and Dutch before I came back in. So, like, bro, I don't know which one of those two came up with it. I mean, all I do know is when I worked in, when I walked in back into my first meeting, they were doing the electrified cage. And, bro, I even said to you, when I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this, it's not that it's a bad idea. It's that I know what TNA is capable of and yeah. TNA production was not going to be able to pull this off. So I never said like it was a bad idea, but the fact of the matter is, bro, I don't know if that came, if I believe Dutch, 
But I don't I, when I I don't know if that came from Dutch. I don't know if that came from Jeff. But bro, I mean, I walked into that idea. That idea did not, bro. I never saw a match like that. I mean, I know a lot of matches like that used to take place in Puerto Rico and whatnot. Yep. I never saw a match like that, bro. For all I know, um. I think it was the Dudleys and I think it was um, LAX. Yep. Bro, for all I know, working Mexico, Conan could have came to the table with that idea because he, he would have known about it and he would have been involved in those type of matches. So, bro, at the end of the day, I don't know whose idea that was, number one. Number two, it was not my idea. Yep. And number three, I never said it was a bad idea. I just said that TNA would never be able to execute it. That, that's what I said. I guess I'll leave it for uh, for Patreon. You got to get Patreon. But he yeah. said it was not you and it was not him. So, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, he's got a pretty funny uh, story about it. But he was just sitting in the back and they're chanting Fire Russo. And he's like, well, that's funny. You know, <laughs> not really his fault. He didn't really book yeah. it. Yeah. We yeah. Got booked for it. I was actually in attendance. That day. I, I got to be honest with you, John. I'm To this day, I, I'll tell you this. Bro, if the WWE did that, I think they'd make it believable. I, I I think Kevin Dunn, I think they would make that believable. I think they would be able to pull that off with their resources to this day. But TNA, bro, no, th- there was no way in hell they had the resources, they had the money, they had the planning, they had the minds to technically pay that off. There was no way they were going to pay that off, bro. Yeah. And bro, like like I said to you, I never even saw one from me- you know, bro, I should go back and look at one just to see like what it's supposed to look like because I I never saw one of those matches. So like, bro, in other words, in order for me to have come up with that, I would have had to seen it. I've never seen a match like that to this day. Bro, here's a perfect example. The halftime heat with Rock and Mick. Bro, do you know where that came from? Lawler and Funk. Jim Cornette gave me that tape. And I watched that tape and I'm like, bro, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Bro, that's where the idea came from. I to this day I've never seen an electrified cage match to this day. So number one, like I don't even know what it looks like, but I swear, bro. I, I, now that you bring this up, I'm very curious to see. Okay, what was it supposed to look like? So I'm going to go back this week. I'm going to see if I could. Maybe I'll even uh, buzz Conan and say, bro, is there a certain one I should look at just to kind of get an idea of what it's supposed to be? Yes, yes. He also joked around. He said, I'm surprised uh, Russo didn't have a cage match with uh, dogs on the outside. I said, well, he kind of did. We did. We did. All my idea, bro. All my idea. But yeah, yeah. The kennel from, I said, never heard of the kennel from hell. He goes, who was in it? I said, boss man and Al Snow. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, you must have missed that one, Dutch. Wow, damn. Bro, that was literally like, um, while this match is going on, like I'm looking for some place to hide. You know, and bro, I got to be honest with you, like uh, Al Snow, uh, because he's the only one alive of the two, always lets me off the hook. 
and says, bro, it wasn't Vince's fault. He had no idea. But, bro, I, sh- I, I never took into consideration that the dogs were going to be lame. Like, it, I, yeah. it was never a thought in my mind, and it should have been. Because, bro, every time you book a match like that, you, you have to consider, like, okay, bro, what could go wrong? And, and if it does go wrong, what is it going to look like? So when, when I'm saying, like, bro, we need canine police, attack dogs, blah, 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 I'm envisioning this is what we're going to get. But I never thought, well, what if, what if they aren't? I should have. So that is on me. Yeah, that was like, and I remember I interviewed Al Snow, I'm like, oh my God, like four years ago, something, but he said, man, imagine if those dogs were a little bit rapid. He goes, I think it would have just came off a little better, like the production, like that, that we were in real danger. He's like, they're like licking each other. They're like yeah. kissing the guy. Like, you know you know, what I, mean? I, I mean, unbelievable, bro. Like, my, but, but again, I swear I take 100% heat because I did not think that out. And it, the uh, big boss man leading up to that, feeding him his own dog. That was so funny. Yeah. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was that, that's all you? That's like, your yeah, idea? yeah, I was there for that, bro. Uh, we, uh, I don't, I don't, we, I'm, I'm sure we had to rent the, ho- the, apart- I think it was an apartment. I don't think it was a hotel room, but yeah, I, w- I was there for the filming of that, bro. And that was, uh, that was crazy, man. And South Park kind of stole that idea years later. Remember he, uh, Carbon feeds the kid his own parents. <laughs> I missed that episode, bro. That's pretty funny, though. Oh, it's great. He he goes for some revenge, and basically the kid's been picking on him all episode. So he he thinks he's eating chili con carne or whatever. He's like, "Oh, you enjoying it? You enjoying it? Because it's your own parents." <laughs> <laughs> I never I never saw that, bro. That's awesome. Oh, that is awesome. South Park is so good. I I think they may have taken that from you. You know, if if you yeah. know, you can give you a little credit uh, for that. Bro, but- I'll tell you what, bro. I'll tell you what. And I, I was really honored by this. And you can go back and look this up, bro. Bro, right around the time of the Attitude Era, a book came out, or maybe it was a couple years later, but, bro, a book came out called Showrunners. Called Showrunners. And they had each chapter was from different shows, showrunners of very famous shows. Okay. South Park was one. Okay. Bro, those guys put over wrestling in the Attitude Era. Um, match uh, Stone and Trey Parker, yep. they put it over. And bro, I remember I was so freaking honored, you know, reading that book and holy shit, like these guys were watching that stuff. But yeah, bro, you could check it. I think I'm almost positive the book is called Showrunners, and they talk about so they could have gotten it absolutely from there. I don't know, but yeah, bro, they put over wrestling, WWE, the Attitude Era. They put the whole thing over. I love how they're getting ideas from you, and Tony Khan is getting ideas from them. I love that. Uh, well, bro, Tony, I swear to God, I don't know if you heard the Melter clip about Tony Khan was calling him for ideas. <laughs> Oh my god! I, was, I think it was on Disco today. I heard I heard that clip, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, bro, come on, man. But why is he talking to him about storylines if he's not, you know, possibly uh, involved financially with that company? Why is he talking to him at all? That's bro, so know, weird. There's one thing about wrestling, bro. Everything comes out. Yeah, that's why, like, bro, that's why I feel so free 
to say whatever I think and whatever I feel because there's nothing to come out about me. Like there's nothing, bro. There's no, there's no affairs. There's no drugs. There's no this. There's no that. There's no screwing this person or there's nothing to come out. That that's the thing, bro. You never hear anything about personal Vince Russo stories. It, it, it's always my writing, my booking, my it's never anything personal because there's nothing there. So that's why, like, I have the complete freedom, bro. You could ask me anything. There are no uh, there are no skeletons. I'm not ashamed of anything I did. I wouldn't take anything back, bro. The only thing and I say this all the time, bro. Um, and bro, it's that we were in such a war at the time that my, um, you know, my, um, just my, my, my sense of, um, I'm, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, but my sense of being a human being was really skewed. It was really skewed, bro, because, you know, at that time, you know, Vince McMahon with the hire a nanny comment um, and everything that was going on, bro, I swear the only thing I would ever change is the um, um, uh, Oklahoma character. Because, bro, like, you know, that was so cringe, cringe, bro. And, you know, I look back at that now and I listen, thank God, I've apologized to Jr. a million times. Jr. and I have had many talks after that. Thankfully, Jr. was very, very forgiving. But, bro, I got to tell you, like, outside of that, I can't really tell you there is anything I regret or anything I wouldn't have done the same. I look back, bro, now on The Undertaker and the symbol and all that. But, bro, the the, the thing was... I wasn't a Christian at that time. So it that that scene doesn't have the same impact that it would have on me today. So like I I I don't blame myself for that. I wasn't the same guy, but the JR stuff, bro, I was so insensitive because I was so I just so wanted to stick it up Vince's ass, not JR's. Had nothing to do with Jr. I just so wanted to stick it up Vince's ass at that point that I I was not thinking uh, clearly, man. And that that is the one thing, bro. And and I, if I could take anything back, that's what it would be. Nothing that I booked, uh, nothing like that. You know, bro. People, you know, all the time. And I I get so tired, John, of telling this story. Because it totally goes ignored. Um, the Owen Hart incident, okay? And, John, I know you know this story because you know me. Bro, the show was written. The show was done. Owen Hart was not repelling. It was never written in the show. So as I'm sitting there one night, 6, 7 o'clock at night, putting the finishing touches on that pay-per-view, uh, Steve Taylor, who was the director of operations, called me while I was sitting at my desk with the show in front of me. Vince, we're going to be in Kansas City. 
the riggers who um, um, repel sting. They want to come to the show. They want to show us what they what they're capable of doing for us, what they may be, what, what they maybe can do for us. Is there anything on the show where they may be able to perform something? So, bro, Steve told me that. I literally looked at the show. Let's see, Steve, blah, 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 blah. And I see Blue Blazer. And I said, well, Steve, you know, I said, you know, Owen's on the show as the Blue Blazer. I said, you know, if they want to repel him, that seems like a logical spot in the show. And that's how it happened. And, bro, like I say this all the time. My last conversation, my last vision of Owen was he was in a jumpsuit because he had just rehearsed it. They just went over it. And I remember he was getting coffee. I went over there to get coffee. Owen, how'd everything go? Vince, no problem. Everything's good. He said, the only thing is, can you change the entrances? Because if Godfather comes out first and then they repel me, I'll be hanging there and the Godfather would be able to get heat on me. And I said, oh, no problem. It's done. That absolutely makes sense. We'll just reverse the entrances. Right. So, bro, my point is, if there was any hesitation whatsoever that Owen would have, um, uh, you know, told me about or had concerns about or something wasn't right in the rehearsal or I really feel uncomfortable, I really feel, bro, it would have never happened. It wasn't important to the show. The only reason that was there was because Sting's rigors were there. That was the only reason. So like when somebody says, you know, oh, Vince, you don't regret that. Bro, of course I regret the death of Owen Hart. But the way that happened was not something, you know, we wrote we knew it was dangerous. We had to have this in the show. It was the complete opposite of that, bro. But, you know, people people still want to have their story about that, you know, and it's whatever, bro. Like, that's that's what happened. It's the worst night in my life, which I will never forget. But, bro, that's the way the series of events took place. Yeah, just a horrible, horrible uh, thing to even think about. Dark Side of the Ring, I know, covered it pretty extensively, and they had his wife on to talking about a very, very uh, tough woman. But that was oof, crazy looking back. What a crazy! You know, I, I tell you, like John, I don't even know what happened. I, I don't. I'm not privy to the court case. I, I mean, I was never depositioned or nothing, nothing. So I don't. I to this day, I, I didn't watch that show. I can't watch that show. Yeah, she exposes it. She t she basically breaks it down. Everything that happened. It's like kind of like if you think about it, it's like wow, she's so mentally tough because I don't know if I'd be able to kind of like talk about like what happened and show you what happened and stuff. Well, like what, she what, what what I mean, honestly, bro, I don't know. The only thing I heard of something was the cape got caught on a uh, on hooks. Like what what was what happened? So the clasp that clasps to him, it's like the the metal thing that he's held on to. Then there's a clasp that right. goes in. They changed the clasp 
it's supposed to hold a certain amount of weight. You know, he weighs 235 pounds or whatever to hold a certain amount of weight. They said that, well, if, if he goes down and wants to get out of the clasp quicker, we'll use this kind of clasp, that kind of clasp that they changed it to. And she was like, I don't know why they did that. It can't hold the weight. So what happened was he's so heavy and the clasp broke because that clasp isn't made for a human person or somebody of that weight. So whoever put the rig together completely screwed up. I mean, complete idiot. And was like, oh, yeah, you'll be able to get it off quicker. Yeah, but you didn't account for it. It won't be able to hold his weight, you moron. You know what I mean? Like, What difference does it make if you'd be able to get it off quicker? Like, what difference? She was saying that they thought like they would look better on TV. I don't know who thought of it or if the rigger said it or something. Oh, yeah, he'll get it off real quick it's like oh man like even when sting when sting used to do it you could tell it's heavy so you know, make take him a second two seconds whatever and he'd have to undo it but for some reason and she said she's like it was it was for like a like a fish or i don't know not a fish but something of of less weight of the bucket and then it would just it can't comes right off i was like holy crap that's just I didn't even bro, I, I didn't even know that like that's bro. It's funny because I just told you my last conversation with him was we're gonna flip the entrances, yep. so he would have been first. So if he's first, what difference does it take? How much time it takes him to get out of it? So stupid, just total incompetence by those people. Yeah, I mean, bro, he's first. He's gonna come out. We're not gonna hit Godfather's music till he's out of the harness. So I don't even know what sense that would make. Yeah, I, it literally shoot, and she was explaining too. It's like, wow, oh my god, I can't believe like that's what happened. Like a, a malfunction, but a malfunction that could easily have been okay, corrected. Well, you know? I, I say this, bro. I, I tell people this all the time, John. You know, I'm a huge Kiss mark. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, bro. Kiss got together in 1973. So how? What are we looking at? 50 years. Bro, Kiss would perform 200, 200 shows a year. Every single show. Thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of times by a harness, Gene Simmons would be lifted to the top of the building. A little perch would come down. He'd stand on the perch. He'd sing God of Thunder. The song is over. The harness Bro, they did that. Tens of thousands of times, and there was never an issue with that. So, God, I brought that's the first time, John, I, 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 I ever heard that. I did not know that. Yeah, crazy. I saw Kiss two summers ago, and you know, they did that. Paul Stanley literally took the hook and he went from one platform to the other. Yep. I mean, awesome yep. show, crazy stuff. But it's like, man, if you, these guys are doing it a million times, they have never had an incident. Yeah, how the hell do you, you know, how the hell do you? And Sting obviously did it, you know, tens. 10 to 20 times, never had an incident either. And even if he had a bigger harness, who gives a shit? Right. Right. Doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I did not know that until you just told me. Yeah. Just a sad, sad state of affairs all the way around for sure. But as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish, just want to do a couple of quick hitters. Just want to mention a name to you and kind of the first thing just, just pops in your head. Right. Vince McMahon. Hmm. You know, John, it's funny that you say that because normally my knee-jerk reaction would have been genius. But I, I've kind of lost some of that by his inability to know when to step aside. Right. You know what I'm saying, bro? Like if you would have asked me that question maybe even five years ago, I would say genius. 
but it's like, how can I call the man a genius when he doesn't know when to step aside? That's not too smart. I'll say innovator. I'll say innovator. He innovated the wrestling business. Bruce Pritchard. Oh, man. God, when you say Bruce Pritchard, bro, like my knee jerk reaction is to say con man. And I don't want to say con man because I don't want to bury Bruce in that way. Bro, if Bruce is a con man, it is out of his love for Vince. I I mean, seriously, Bruce Pritchard, I think, would take a bullet for Vince McMahon. And I think a lot of times Bruce was put in in precarious situations because, bro, he's always looking to please Vince. And he, bro, I, Bruce's love for Vince, bro, it's, it's a son's love for his father. I, bro, the only man I've ever loved like that is my father. I've right. never loved my, and my grandfather. I love my grandfather that way. Bro, I never loved somebody that was not blood that way. So it's, I did not love Vince McMahon like that. So it, it's very, very strange. But bro, Bruce probably did some things that even um, consciously was hard for him to do, but he did it out of the love of Vince. Like I, I know Bruce, I know why he does the things that he does but I've never been able to explain that absolute love for Vince McMahon, man. I've never been able to explain that. Jimmy Cornette. Jim, Jim Cornette's a genius, but not, not a wrestling genius. We, you and I have talked about that, yep. bro. When you can go from here to here as quickly as he can. And bro, with him getting older, because, bro, you how many times, John, you do a show me? I, I don't even remember people's names. I, 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 I can't. I, I got to stutter and stammer, and then I'll come up with the name. Bro, I've never met anybody in my life that can go from here to here as quickly as Corner. And, bro, I, I've told you this. Number Right behind him is Dutch. Yep. Those two guys, bro, like, I, I can't do that. Like, and, and that's the one thing about Cornette too, bro. You know, Cornette is close to my age and I still listen to some of his stuff on YouTube and stuff. He's still doing it. Mm -hmm. And like, bro, that to, that, that's a gift. Like that really is a gift to be able to take the thoughts in your mind and verbally communicate them as quickly and as clearly as he does is genius. That that part of him is genius, Eric Bischoff. I bro, bro I I can't, bro. It, it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to find something nice to say about Eric. It it just is, bro. This guy just like every week for whatever reason just goes out of his way to bury me. I I don't I don't know if it's shtick. I don't know if it's um. I don't know if it's to get listeners. I know Eric's disdain towards me, bro, is there were two very significant times 
one at WCW, one at TNA, where I called him out. I called him out on his bullshit twice. Eric Bischoff does not like to be called out. And I think it is because of those two instances um, that he just despises me. He, he's one of those guys that won't have a conversation with me. You want, bro, you want to do a show with me? You want me to go on your show with Conrad? I'll be happy to. He will, he'll come up with every, I'm not going to lower myself. Everything out of Vince's mouth is going to be a lie anyway. He'll come up with every excuse in the book not to have a conversation with me, whatever. Um, bro, Eric is great, was great at wrestling business. Business, the business end of it. Bro, I suck at business. I, I've put my own businesses out of business. I suck at business. From a business perspective, uh, Eric was, was on a genius level. One of the best I ever saw on a business level. The issue I had with Eric was he thought he was just as qualified on a creative level. Bro, he wasn't. I'm sitting here telling you, John, I suck at business. I cannot compete with Eric Bischoff on a business level. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. He thought he was just as smart on a creative level. Bro, I sat in enough meetings with Eric to know that he wasn't. And bro, there's nothing wrong with that, John, because we're all not great at everything. I think we have gifts. I think there are certain things that we're good at. And I think that there are certain things that we're not good at. I always stayed in my lane. Bro, I remember Dixie caught before Eric and Hulk got married, got, got, got married before <laughs> Eric and Hulk came into TNA. Dixie Carter got hot at me. Because she wanted to put me in a higher position where I would have oversaw people and I would have oversaw departments. And I'm like, Dixie, no, that I don't do that well. That that's not me. I just want to write and produce the show. I'm a writer, I'm not a boss, I'm not an in-charge guy. I just want to write. And bro, she got hot at me because of that. And soon after, you know, Eric and Hulk. Oh, got hired. And Eric took on a lot of the things that she wanted me to do. I just think, I mean, bro, my, my issue with Eric was I did not like the way John, he treated other people. There, there, there was always for me a level of arrogance with Eric um, way, way, way beyond a level of arrogance of Vince McMahon. I mean, a hundred times more arrogant than Vince ever was. And bro, when I worked with him, I just did not like the way he treated people. And um, we, you know, bro, he he's a person that he here's where we're opposites. He likes to be the guy in charge people fearing him, people answering to him. 
uh, making the final calls, making the final decisions, making a lot of money, uh, you know, uh, knob hobbing with the big wigs, you know, meetings with Ted Turner. This is what Eric thrives on. Okay, I thrive on getting getting in getting in the trenches bro getting down and dirty with the talent i don't want to be anybody's boss i don't get off on that shit i want to work i want to work hard i want to work together i want to give my blood my sweat my tears so bro when you have those two different kinds of people they're just not going to mesh and bro like that's where like Dixie Carter made a huge mistake because based on WCW, you knew that was never going to work. It didn't work in WCW. There was no I, there was no reason to believe this was going to work at TNA. We have completely different personalities. But, John, I will tell you this, uh, you know, and again, the complete opposite of Eric. I don't hate Eric Bischoff. I have Eric Bischoff personally never did anything to me. I don't I don't hate the guy. I I think it's ridiculous that he will not have a conversation with me, but I can't change that. But I don't I don't carry any hatred around for this guy. We just have two extreme different personalities where these two guys could never work together. Now, as far as your favorite guy to work with, like behind the scenes, wrestler wise, you know, who is kind of the guy that you always enjoyed working with the most? Bro, it's funny because I was thinking about that today. Bro, I, I work with a lot of great guys. I mean, I really, really, really did. But, bro, I got to tell you, the one guy like that, that I never – there was never anything close to like being a bad situation with this guy or a bad conversation with this guy. And bro, it's almost like, you know, if I wanted somebody to read my eulogy, like who would that yeah, be? Exactly. I got to tell you, man, the, 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 the nicest, easiest, honest, because bro, that has a lot to do with it. Like, I got a problem with politicians. I, I really got, so you have to not have a political bone in your body. Okay, bro. And bro, there are very few wrestlers that don't have a political bone in their body, you know, but this guy did not have a political bone in his body, bro. I loved, loved, loved working with Kurt Angle. Absolutely loved it. Loved him would do anything in the world for this guy. If he called me tomorrow, uh, I, I just bro. This was a stand up guy. Love this freaking guy. And um, I, I think, I think that's the guy, bro. You know, I liked working with a lot of people, but I loved working with Kurt, man. Do you have a least favorite guy or do you not want to say, <laughs> Bro, I will say this because I understand it. And again, bro, this is not a person I hate. I don't hate him at all. Bro, the, one of the hardest people for me to work with was Goldberg. 
And bro, the reason for the the reason was he really believed in his gimmick. Okay, he really he really believed he was Bill Goldberg. But bro, I came to understand because I questioned him on it. Like, you know, when I, when I wanted him to turn heel, he had an issue with it. Now, think about it, John. I'm walking into a company where a guy was 174 and 0. As a baby face, how are you ever going to top that? Right. It's impossible. Bro, there's nothing he could have done that would have went beyond the streak. So there comes a point where you've got to start looking at this guy as a heel. Okay. He did not want to turn heel. So I said to him, because I didn't understand Bill. I don't understand. You play a heel in movies. You remember the Santa Claus movie? He was a you, you play Bill Goldberg is a heel in movies. This is a television show. I don't understand. And here's what he said to me, bro. And I got it. He said to me on this show, I'm Goldberg. I'm go. I don't have a character name. I am Goldberg. My name is Bill Goldberg. So when the kids see that, they see me. They see Goldberg. They don't see Captain Kirk. They see me, Bill Goldberg. Bro, when he said that to me, I got it. And I understood. But, bro, that was difficult to work with because I think he was at the point in WCW, in his career where him turning heel would have been money and him turning heel would have helped us get a lot of baby faces over. So it was that that was difficult for me. But like I said, bro, I understand. I understood where he was coming from. And as far as yourself and the brand and everything, as we, you know, we're winding up here, what else you got going on? I know you got, uh, you know, obviously we got a lot of stuff going on, but what do you have? What else you got going on with the brand? Oh, bro. We got, we, we got, man, I tell you what, John, um, I'm trying to pull a little off of the wrestling because I don't enjoy it. And, and I don't, I don't want to be doing things at this age that I don't enjoy doing. Okay. However, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm making some headway and I'm making a lot of connections where going into this year, I think I'm going to really be able to interview and talk to a lot of non-wrestling personalities. And I'm talking movies, I'm talking television, I'm talking music, directing, producing, the areas that I'm really, really interested in. So I, I've been making some headway in that direction. And I think a lot of really cool people are going to come to the table, you know, this year. You know, again, bro, like everything else, I want to expand the brand. This is how you expand the brand. So I think you're going you're gonna to see a lot of interviews. I'll tell you, I'll give you a person's name right now uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. Um, I had a conversation yesterday and I actually spoke to this person. Um, and when I tell you the name, bro, you're not going to know who it is. 
But the guy's name is um, Larry Hankin. Larry, I am interviewing Harry Larry Hankin on Sunday. Larry Hankin is one of the most uh, famous character actors going all the way back to 1990, 30 years. He is 80 years old. Do you watch Seinfeld? Yes. Mr. Hankin was played the part of Kramer that they hired to be in Jerry's television show. Oh, okay, yeah. George, yeah. he thought he took yeah. the raisins. Yes, yes, yes. Bro, this guy has been in Seinfeld. This guy has been in Friends. This guy has been in Breaking Bad. This guy has been in Home Alone. This guy has been in uh, uh, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. This guy has been in Billy Madison. This guy has acted with Clint Eastwood. Bro, his IMBD will freaking blow your socks off. This guy has worked with everybody you can ever imagine. So, bro, just having that conversation of like literally going from one set to the next and, you know, bro, you're going from a Jerry Seinfeld to a Clint Eastwood to a John Candy to a cast of friends. I mean, just that conversation is is going to be incredible. And not only that, John, but the the comparisons of like the indie wrestler. Bro, when you're a character actor, you got to keep working. You yeah. you got to keep getting like job after job after job. And bro, like I said, this guy has, you, you're looking at over 150 roles. Bro, do you know how much work that is? Like that blows me away. So, you know, people like this, bro, the, these are the people that I, I'm really interested in that lifestyle, that way of life. Um, I'm going to interview him Sunday. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to put it, but there are a lot of um, there are a lot of people like that that are going to follow suit. Awesome! That's uh, definitely something to look forward to. That's very very cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Please also give us all the plugs. Yeah, guys, really, I'm, I'm going to give you the two places. I mean, obviously, you know, me, me and John are working on both Russo'sBrand.com. And then we have a whole other menu, bro, with 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 many other shows on patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. Bro, you can look at both platforms. You know, maybe we want to try this one a couple months, then maybe this one. Maybe we want to do both. Bro, we give you so much to choose from right now, John. I'm working on bringing somebody else uh, on board that I hope to have aboard by February. And uh, we're just going to keep adding and adding and adding and adding in 2021, bro. I love it. And it's uh, great to be a part of this because uh, I feel like we are definitely growing with Russo's brand and the Patreon and then Hameen Media Group. Keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Very good stuff here from the brand. Vince, thank you so much uh, for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Enjoyed it again. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. 
You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>